Hello and welcome to Bodybuilding Down Under. As always, you're joined by your four co-hosts, Jack, the two Daniels, and myself, Lawrence. Boys, it's been a big weekend. We've had the first ICN show and IFBB was this weekend as well. Yes, hectic weekend. There was heaps going on. Also had the uh, Victoria ICN show. Mm. There was like NBA, New South Wales, uh the day before that was on the sunday the day before was the icn new south wales show as well so we had about four different comps uh, four five different comps on on the weekend it was hectic yeah yeah do you want to well maybe we'll do i know jack didn't have anyone directly competing this weekend but maybe we'll just go where you did yeah oh okay oh mate please forgive me well we might do like the coach's corner to rip off revive strongest content and why don't you boys all just let us know like how your clientele went. So DY, do you want to start us off? So I was lucky enough to only have one this season, uh, which was Maddie, and she did extremely well. She pretty much ran sports and fitness. This is the first show I've had with her. Her last show got cancelled due to COVID, so it had been a very long time coming, and she pretty much placed in all of the divisions. So I couldn't be more happy. Um, did ask for some judges' feedback, so I'm going to try and tweak a couple of things leading into, obviously, the biggest show of the season, probably the ICN Brisbane, and uh, hopefully we can score a couple of little uh, higher placings. So I'm excited. Yeah, nice, mate. Was that her first time around? She did one um, a very, very long time ago under a very bro coach. Uh, so it's the first time I've had her, and it's been pretty much, I think it would have been about like five years between the two. So yeah, it's been a long time. I wouldn't probably call her first experience a, a proper like prep. That first coach, was that was that Joey Cantlin? Yeah, full bro. Like full <laughs> asparagus chicken the entire way through. Yeah, that bloke's got no idea. I don't even think he listens. He's too big time. Yeah, he doesn't even <laughs> know names anymore. Playoffs. He just takes my money though. Yeah, straight up, straight up. What about you, Jack? Yeah, so Tiara had... I think three clients, two at the Sunny Coast show, one in Adelaide. Those are her clients though, so I won't uh, steal her thunder. But I had uh, one client in, in Melbourne who did uh, bikini. Her name was Ali or is Ali. And yeah, it was a great, great prep overall for her. Did you change her I, name I, at the at the comp or? Oh, well, I was thinking the worst. I was like, what's Jack done on Peak Week? Just getting dangerous. Yeah. Took um, water depletion a step too far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, it was her first time competing and, and Ali and I have been working together for two years. So it was great for her to finally uh, step on stage. And she actually did the uh, Rising Star show, uh, I think six weeks ago. So it was an interesting period for her to basically try and improve her condition for, for six weeks. And uh, she's a mom, she runs her own small business. So I think just like anyone, her um, we, we faced uh, challenges in the prep, but that's not abnormal for a comp prep. And um, yeah, super proud of what she managed to accomplish in the prep. And now we've entered in the reverse phase and pretty much just going to get into the improvement season and start working on some areas that we need to improve. Yeah, very nice. In terms, I might ask you to speak for Tierra here for just a moment. I forget her one client. Is it Agnes, the one who's the super jacked figure competitor? Yeah, so she had Agnes, Martina, Nicole, and... Can't remember the last one in Adelaide. The name escapes me. How did Agnes go? Because she's ridiculous. Yeah, so Agnes uh, won the open class. It was quite unfortunate that the open class only had one other competitor. So 
Um, we're looking forward to Agnes competing at nationals, of course, because mm. she'll be up with uh, some some bigger numbers. But Martina did very well in in fitness at the Sunny Coast Show. I believe she got pretty much second place overall. And Nicole Tierra's other client, she did uh, very well, and I think top three finishes. And she had ten categories on or ten divisions on the day, which is uh, a, a monster day. That's a big day. Yeah. And then Tierra's other competitor in in Adelaide, she she did a interesting federation. I don't remember the name of it. It might have been Elite Physique or something along those lines. And she won the fitness overall there, which was which was good. Yeah, nice, cool. What about UDC? Sounds like it was a busy weekend for you interstate as well. Yeah, so I think BK Conditioning, both of us had about eight athletes across, yeah, multiple shows basically. So. Uh, on the Saturday, I had AJ who competed at the ICN uh, New South Wales. Jos- Josie did as well. Um, that was an immense show. I believe AJ took out two seconds uh, across opens and um, across uh, the, the novice division for classic physique. Um, super proud of him. He's absolutely just the top dude and uh, puts his heart and soul into, into prep and had heaps of people coming to him after the show just saying how immense his, his posing was for classic and he's actually going to be here. Uh, this Sunday for the Queensland champs as well, flying out for that. So it'll be really cool to see him in the flesh and uh, and see what it looks like on stage. Josie competed across the weekend as well. She did wellness uh, and sports, I believe. She placed across a couple of her her divisions as well, uh, particularly the NBA show on the Sunday. Uh, obviously here on Sunday, we had the Sunshine Coast Classic, which was, I had Pierre, uh, Tyler and and Gordon. Pierre was in, in uh, men's fitness and he placed... Uh, pretty much across all of his divisions. So top, top three for all three, a couple of first, couple of second, couple of third. Uh, Gordon was very similar. He competed across uh, classic and, and physique. And we're probably going to shift things a little bit, name for more sort of fitness and uh, and physique at the, the Queensland show. Uh, just because the the boys that competed in classic, like they were big, hey? We, mm. we uh, I think you got, you guys were, you, you obviously saw some of the boys at the show, like very impressive physique for, for classic. Yeah. And um, Gordon is a he's has, has an incredible shape, but uh, perhaps just not the same size as some of these guys. So going to aim for fitness and see how he goes from there. And uh, and he played similar, you know, a couple of first, couple of second, couple of third. And uh, and Tyler, who is um, she she did swimsuit and bikini. Uh, she did really well. She won a posing award. Props to Nicole for for helping out her posing. They've uh, put on in a lot of hard work for that. And um, yeah, she, she placed really well. I think she might've been like sort of second or third favorite on the day. So we've got taken some feedback from, from the judges, you know, applying that to this coming week and um, you know, surely they'll, they'll do even better. I think as a coach, you always strike for, you know, hundred percent at show one, but of course uh, you, you get feedback and you're fine and you, should, you know, you adjust things, the protocol for the following week to, to improve. And then I had TJ, um, TJ down in the ICN uh, Melbourne show uh, who, who competed uh, against two of the other B- BK boys as well. Shout out to them. And uh, he did really well. He won the, the classic overall uh, and also the bodybuilding overall as well. So um, yeah, it was just a cra- crazy weekend. And, and props to TJ because uh, these last like three weeks, he's, he's actually in the middle of opening up a gym and um, like we're, we're talking opening up a gym, but also being the person who is like setting up the equipment. So lugging the equipment into the gym, uh, plastering the walls, setting up walls, like building things. 
Uh, I can't imagine doing that sort of stuff in the final weeks of prep. Like I know how much of a vegetable I was. So the man was running off about four, four hours sleep per night for the last like three weeks and still managed to, to pull that off. So yeah, immense weekend. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And um, well, congratulations to all you boys. It sounds like it was a, a fruitful weekend. The... Just to interrupt as well. Sorry. It was mm. uh, Amelia who competed in Adelaide. I don't like forgetting people's names and it was the Federation was elite natural physique. So just wanted okay. to add that. Yeah. Beautiful. Just always ticking the boxes. Love that politically correct radford smith um what you said there dc about the classic boys holy moly joe's guy who won was absolutely ridiculous mm. Yeah, mm. Right was what a physique insane. i saw him backstage i was like holy shit that guy looks ridiculous and little did i know when you actually see the photo from the front and see him actually in the div it's it's crazy how, how absolutely yeah i think across the years like the the, the classic um you know it's getting better and better i think as as more competitors are aware of the the category um and so like even you know the other the other two bk boys down in melbourne like chris and and pete they've got absolutely incredible physiques so like the i think the national show like the the quality of the classic physique uh category at nationals is going to be is going to be awesome mm. so yeah yeah, for sure. And um, what were some of the other the highlights? Obviously, I, I wasn't able to make it to the show itself. I was um, too busy nerding out at, at Supernova. But what were, were some of the highlights from the, the day? Like top competitors? Yeah, like who were some of your favorite physiques? Like obviously, you know, like probably the main one for me is like I, I thought Jeff was awesome and like um, far out. Like the improvements he's made is ridiculous as well. Like from the last time he competed um especially just like how much he's i suppose filled out his lower body and just sort of turned his physique into like a proper bodybuilder's physique now so yeah props to him he was in unbelievable condition as well very very shredded but um who were some other standouts on the day by the way did he did he compete in men's bodybuilding last time he was on stage i think he did classic right classic no, think, yeah. men's physique men's oh, physique, men's physique. Okay. he may have done like i don't know if classic was there if he did like muscle model muscle model yeah yeah muscle model okay i don't came, think classic would have been around he came second to one of the korean guys that uh ended up winning the overall he, it was like so close between them and uh yeah the other guy just just pipped him i think on the shape mm. well i um i saw him backstage and he walked up hey dan how you go man i listened to your podcast i was like hell yeah hell yeah you do <laughs> So uh, I might have been helping him get through his steps those those final weeks. <laughs> yeah, I would say another standout for me was Rosalyn, who, again, uh, apologies, that was the name I forgot. She won the fitness overall and the figure overall as well. Insanely conditioned, great posing as well, and, and very complete physique. Yeah, mm. interesting. So she won fitness and figure. She did, yeah. Okay. Did you think, like, how, did, how does that work? Yeah, I don't want to comment too much on it because I'm not a judge, but there mm. weren't there weren't a heap of figure competitors there, yeah. so the entries were fairly low. But I mean, she she does have an, an outstanding physique. I would personally, just me speaking, I would say she's more suited to figure than fitness. Due yeah. to, also due to her conditioning, like she had glute striations. Mm. I suppose that is something you got to remember. Like it is who is there on the day and who fits mm. it best. But I suppose the conditioning is probably the main thing there. Like if you're well muscled and you can manipulate your poses in a way, like I can see someone being able to suit both. Like 
for example, like Rika Dy, like I think that you know she would do very well in figure, um, even with like the current physique that she has, despite being like a fitness competitor. Yeah, and I think that would probably be the plan for her next time. I think she's probably got the insertions to maybe move up as much as she, as much as our plan is to um, do the fitness pro lineup. I think once you've tacked on so much muscle, I think it's nearly inevitable to. She was pretty much probably borderline nearly figure last time she competed. So I, I think that would be the goal anyway. Yeah. Was there any other physiques for you, DY, that stood out on the weekend? I think I think the obvious one that was quite impressive was like Tom McAmara as well. Like mm. like I remember just seeing him pumping up backstage. I was like, holy shit. It, it looked like it's probably one of the best men's physique like I've seen naturally. That's for sure. Extremely impressive. Just Yeah. Because he's at that powerhouse a fair bit, and I saw him the other day after. I think it was, but when he came back from the West Australia show, yeah, um, yeah, dude, he looks like he's been built in a lab. Hey, like just absolutely insane physique. Yeah, because I was training that day, and I was like, "Why is Tom, Tom not here?" Like I thought he would have been here off the IFBB show. And I just saw his whole crew there, and the next thing you know, I just saw him pull up at Sunshine Coast. I was like, ah. That's why he wasn't at the uh, powerhouse. And then, yeah, yeah, he looks extremely impressive. And even to like do so well in the IFBB, like to win the overall as a natural athlete, um, especially like the men's physique division is like absolutely crazy. I don't think many people have probably done that. Carlton mm. Loff. <laughs> yeah. I'd say across, across the board, I mean, pretty much every category I thought had a very impressive lineup of athletes. I thought the standard particularly at like the Sunshine Coast show was, was exceptional. I think across the board, there were a lot of phenomenal athletes that stood out. So no doubt Queensland's will probably bring even more athletes and, you know, might even be even, even more of an impressive show. Even though we don't really, I guess, specialize in it too much. I do like the way the bikini has moved as well. Like over the past, like three years, it's gone from a very softer look at Queensland, which was normally an issue going into the nationals. And now it's like a lot more conditioned. Like the girl that won at this time, she had like full like hamstring, like glute tie in, like, you know, a lot tighter through the abs and the delts. So it was really good to see like a nice little step up and hopefully that's replicated in Brisbane. Cause I do like that look like, you know, it's a little bit closer to the um, IFBB kind of style and maybe the NBA, NBA style of bikini as well. Not only that, the girl that won the uh, bikini overall was only 17 years old which is like at, she had an, in, I, I was like, man, this girl should have done like IFBB. And apparently the only reason she didn't do IFBB is because you need to be 18 um, to compete, which is uh, oh, absolutely crazy. She had a wicked hmm. physique. Yeah. So that's Maddie. She, um, she trains at powerhouse here in, in Stafford. Love, lovely girl. Yeah. But crazy. Hey, like very, very young, incredible potential to take What's it pretty, last, damn, pretty damn far in this sport. I've got no idea. <laughs> I'm not sure, man. I'm not I'm sure. trying to think if I, remember because i i didn't do a very good job at staying up to date with the show like i was looking at itn's instagram but i didn't put it on bodybuilding down under yeah i know no one's getting their fix mate <laughs> it's like if the news just stopped you know how would we find out anything yeah exactly it's weird yeah crazy right you know for such such a young athlete like yeah that's ridiculous. there are yeah. there are these individuals that come through with with incredible genetic potential uh, and she's 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 one of those. So uh, someone to probably keep keep an eye on as she progresses through her career. Because I feel like as a first time competitor doing so well like this, it kind of makes you realize 
shit, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm probably pretty good at this sport. Maybe I'll stick with it for, you know, a bit longer, see where I, I can take this. I can see it go both ways, though, to be honest, with people who do super well. Obviously, not to say that'll happen with Maddie, but like they either helps motivate them or maybe they think, oh, I kind of ticked that ICN box now. Let's move on to IFBB or something. Mm. That was that was the same with Taylor Hicks. I believe she competed like 17, won like or 18 and won like an IFBB overall show. And then it was like she pretty much just moved on and then to a different fed. Olympics is next level now. Yeah. yeah. But on to well, I suppose it's kind of on the topic of of IFBB. Have you seen um the you know, you know Callum Hines, the guy who won the classic pro card? Mm. Yeah. Have you seen his updates? Yeah, yes. Yeah. He's cra- he looks crazy, man. Mm. I think he's doing Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Insane really taper. Good. Yeah. Like I feel like his legs have blown up. Like he just looks, his quads look absolutely enormous. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what, cause he works with Jansen. So hey, that's, that's not too many um, people. And then we've got Matt Jansen on the show. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. if Callum's listening, make and it he's happen. Got that, he's got that secret recipe too. So we are, I'm saying we are three or four people away from having C-Bum on the show. Yeah, <laughs> the you couple know? of more shares of this episode, I think we're gonna be there. Yeah, well, I can see it now in the in the title, C bomb on the show? Question mark. Yeah. Mm. But Baby. it's all right. DC and Jack. Oh no, yeah, DC doesn't allow us to do any um fancy titles. Me and Dy, we just want to get crazy with it. What? I don't. What? 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 Well, we wanted <laughs> yeah. to make the title. We're giving away a Tesla, but DC didn't allow us. <laughs> We, yeah, that's we right. I thought that would be a little team. bit too... They were fine with it. Yeah, yeah, Technically, yeah. we did give it away, though. But it was, yeah. Like, we did the raffle. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. Mm. Yeah. We didn't bait oh. anyone. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, we do have a, a few questions. The first one we'll, we'll cover because it directly relates to, I suppose, what people this week and last week have been going through, which is peak week. So we've got a question that says, what do your individual peak week and show day nutrition protocols look like? Do you manipulate anything in particular compared to a standard day of eating in prep? Why don't we start with you, Mr. Dadford Smith? Yeah, so I let, do you want to treat this one as not really explaining about peak week too much and just giving our own examples or? I'd like a 45 minute monologue <laughs> on sodium and water for peak week. Go. Yeah, no, just do whatever you want, mate. Okay. Yeah, I won't. I won't drone uh, on too much about uh, Peak Week itself because people can just uh, book in a consult with DC instead, or me, of course, or, or DY, <laughs> or Lawrence. I guess I'm waiting for you to become SNA accredited first. Yeah, very fair, very fair. I just, yeah, I know the three numbers. <laughs> Most people don't have qualifications anyway, so you'll probably be right. Yeah, I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, so mine. Uh, mine were pretty conservative peak weeks like I essentially did more of a mid load where I didn't really push carbohydrates too much and I essentially kind of went close to maintenance for most of the week and looking back uh, I I probably should have pushed it a little bit more in terms of the amount of carbohydrates I consumed just to look a little bit fuller and also give me a bit more energy on show day or maybe just had more food on show day just because I remember feeling absolutely uh, trashed on show day and feeling pretty hypo. And especially with that big gap between bodybuilding and classic, like I felt Mm. quite rubbish in between. 
not to interrupt you, but I remember being backstage with you guys and it was towards the end of the day where you were waiting to get on for classic. And mm. I remember you were just like lying on the ground, just cooked. Yeah. Which is fair. That gap would kill me. That yeah. Was but I mean, I sh- realistically, I shouldn't have been feeling like that. So I think in situations like that, it comes down to uh, better management of nutrition. And I think the difficulty with managing your own nutrition sometimes is that you do get quite biased and you look at things through the wrong lens. And that's why I'm very much looking forward to having AJ on board for the next peak week because, or for the whole prep, of course, because he'll uh, be able to take that um, um, lens away from myself. But yeah, that was pretty much what it looked like. I reduced food volume for the most part uh, leading into the show and didn't really play around crazily with hydration or or salts like I just kept that mainly consistent throughout the week and had some additional salts uh, on the day itself prior to pumping up but to keep it fairly simple that's that's kind of what it looks like Mm. Mm. very nice I mean I I guess what might be similar like I think the only difference I would have had to that was like most of my peak weeks we've done like the highest day on the Monday and then we've sort of tapered down until the Thursday and then just sort of bumped up for the last two days, but not quite as aggressive as we did at the start of the week. But yeah, that's probably the only difference. What about you? you like you'd reach like good fullness with that? I guess. I think so. Yeah, I don't know. That's like, what I Joe reckon... said anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I did you? Because I know you. That, that, that sort of feeling you get when you're fully like close to being tapped out in glycogen where you you get a pump insanely quickly and it feels like yeah. the muscles kind of pushing against the skin. Yeah. I remember like, well, and that's the thing, like, I don't know. I very much go off what Joey tells me. So I, I remember when we were pumping up at the NBA show, which was the third consecutive peak week where Joey was like watching me pump up. And he was like, we are right on the brink here. Like mm. if we go, like, we're not going to have anything more. Cause I think you're as full as you're going to get. And I even like look back at the photo that I had with my like plaque thing at the end. And I almost think that like, I looked a little bit on the spilled side, but obviously whilst I was on stage, it was like just hung on enough. I mean, I don't know if that's just me with my biases, but like, yeah, I think that's sort of the most he would have liked to push it, but we only went slightly more for the carbs that show. It wasn't anything crazy. Yeah. Mm. So I was somewhat similar to you, similar to you, Lawrence. Like I pretty much had like two high days at the start, but what I tried to do with the high days is I tried to replicate the last two high days that I would have at the back end of the week. So I believe it was like two high days, two lower days, and then like a high and a medium day. So what I did at the start of the week is I tried to replicate the exact same meals as what I would have on my last two days. So I knew exactly how it would work for me. So I didn't want to like try anything new on like these last two days. So I tried to keep like fiber lower on the first two days, like pretty much get like exact photos for Joe. Then we ran the two low days and then I knew exactly how everything would go on the back end. So it was kind of like a front load lower through the middle. And then it was just like a top up on like those last two days. And then, yeah, just like alterations and like, some salt like dietary fiber um pretty much that's all that needed to happen mm. for as much as like having no fiber like you're eating things with essentially they're not satisfied like not satiating at all mm. but don't you guys love that feeling of just like on show day like no fiber and just like how tight your midsection feels yeah, yeah. like you just feel like you got no organs and you're just yeah. like so shredded 
And then usually you after get like two day days. Poo, game over. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why you don't want zero fiber because you still well, need to use the bathroom on show day. Joey cuts fiber at three weeks out. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing left. It's gone straight through you. Well, do you get a colon cleans each week then? Don't you? <laughs> yeah. Is that it? That's the secret. That's the secret. Anything weird and wonderful from you, DC? Uh, well, I guess reflecting... You changed yours between the shows, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So the first show that I did was, was the Tropic show. We ran a bit like a, a mid-load. So uh, I guess you could you could say it was a sort of a mid-to-back load of sorts. Um, I, I, more, more a mid-load. So basically from like the Wednesday to Thursday, uh, we ran... Uh, pretty much it was initial aspects of the week was more depletion. So it was just, I need to get a touch leaner uh, midway through. I think we did about a two to three day load. Um, and then the day before the competition was like a low day. So essentially it was to try and, you know, reduce food volume, kind of bring in tightness as well. Because I think when I load uh, carbohydrates, I get a little bit of like a washed out look. And I think it's just the uh, osmotic changes that occur when you start loading, you know, uh, plenty, plenty of blood, blood glucose. So uh having a low day just really kind of brought tightness in, but then the feedback was, okay, we can probably get a touch leaner between this next show. And so, so for us to spend as much time as required to come into the conditioning that was required for the following show, uh, we pretty much pulled right up until the show was on like a, a Saturday and we pulled right up until the Thursday. So it was a, it was a one day, very conservative load. I wouldn't even call it a load. It was like bringing me up to maintenance and uh and then basically show day was like where the loading began so it was pretty much moderate load the day before and then show day was was loaded quite heavily um my body seems to react quite quickly to the, the presence of, of of carbohydrates so it's just like my body partitions that nutrients coming in directly into the replenishment of muscle glycogen so even on like refeed days uh, i always opted for much simpler you know carbohydrate sources like cereal and lollies and powerade things like that but i would almost feel the effects within 20 to 30 minutes of consuming something like that so uh, i guess that was feedback that i tend to respond quite quickly to the presence of carbohydrates hence the benefit of running something like that like a bit, bit more of an aggressive load load on the day um, but i think the way in which you load 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 peak week is kind of there's 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 benefits to each strategy so for example like where you've mentioned Lawrence that you ran like a front load uh, you probably couldn't get away with that if you were running like back-to-back -back shows, because you can imagine if you ran a very high day on the show day, and then the following, you've got to, you've got to show the following week as well. And then you're running another high day as well. Like you're already probably topped up with muscle glycogen after the show. Right? Yeah. Like you mentioned, you're almost bordering of being spilled. You can mm. imagine if you therefore uh, asserted straight into another you know front load you're probably going to start uh, losing some of that conditioning so you might have to run a little bit of a depletion at the start so yeah therefore maybe if you had back-to-back -back shows running something like a mid-load might be a more appropriate strategy um, yeah and to be fair now that you mentioned that i think because it was only for the first show where we went that more front load approach and then for yeah. the others it would always be like monday was like a pretty low low day to like let the show day or well the day after the show would be a pretty low day to just sort of let those calories wash out and then it would be like a more conservative build mm. um, because you're right you'd probably just end up you know maybe even put yourself into a, a slight surplus because i mean you're not really you're tracking how much nutrition you're having on show day but a lot of it is also like your coach's eye 
like you're not necessarily weighing out a snake you're just going to hand them a couple or something like yeah, that so yeah 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 so you might have a bit of a, a prediction of where someone's caloric maintenance might be but i mean as a coach sometimes you might need to push someone's food up higher than predicted maintenance on the day because depending on their look like uh there's been times where yeah carbohydrates have been pushed up quite high and that's probably higher than what their caloric maintenance is which means that maybe the next day they show a bit of a spilled look but uh and that's where you know, kind of need to like you know pull things down i think one of the other benefits of doing let's say for example a mid-load comparison to like a rapid backload is if someone has like gastrointestinal issues with the introduction of like more food so even if it's food where uh, like a controlled amount uh, they've, they've controlled the foods themselves. Uh, uh, Nicole was an example. So she, she was having some gastrointestinal uh, IBS type symptoms towards the back end of prep. And it's probably due to a bit of a stress response to the dieting condition. But we had to, I had to sort of front load her a little bit more because every time I'd int introduce something like a refeed for her, she'd have a bit of a flare. So it was like, all right, well, I can't, I can't load her you know, rapidly towards the back end because she's going to wake up on show day with some gastrointestinal distension and bloating and things like that. So maybe a mid load or maybe a front load might be like a more, you know, more viable solution for that individual. Uh, for some people who flatten out, I guess, very quickly, you know, maybe the rapid backload is, is, is the go-to. And I think um, there's certainly some coaches that utilize like that, that strategy. So um, yeah, there's kind of utility for every, every loading strategy, but I think at the end of the day, you, you kind of need to know your athlete. You're not just throwing a random, like protocol at the individual and just kind of hope, hoping that it works. You'd utilize the feedback that you get from refeed days to see how much someone fills out. You run a, you run, you know, a double refeed or a triple refeed day. They fill out nicely. They're looking superb in those final few weeks. Okay. That gives me a reference point where I can maybe, you know, choose to load someone from there. The following show rolls around. You're like, okay, you know, on show day, we were, we were pretty tight, took a bit more to kind of fill you out on that day. Like maybe I can actually load you a little bit more the day preceding that, you know, to, to give me sort, sort of a greater foundation to then load upon for the following show. So you kind of like, you're taking all this bit of information and, and using it to, to understand the athlete, you know, better and, and how to peak them better. I like it. All right. Well, on to the next question. This one says thoughts on challenges like 75 hard. Do they actually build habits and consistency? What is that? I actually have no idea. What is 75 hard? I mean, it's the 75 it's hard the, challenge. Is, is it one thing? I, I think it's, I've heard uh, of it, but I don't know what, what do you do? It's like, I, I'm not hundred percent sure I might get it wrong, but it's like 75 days in a row. And if you mess up one day, you need to restart it. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. But then it's like, you need to pretty much like read X amount of pages of a book a day. You need to get like good sleep. You, I think you need to train every day, but it doesn't need to be like actually a gym training session and you need to follow a diet for every single day as well. So it's like, it's just like, I guess like, like, like trying to build habits, like, you know, doing something positive each day, but uh, it's hard because like, you know, you, you continue that on, then you mess up, then you got to restart. And it's like, then it can get in like this downward spiral of like, you know, just like having to restart this one challenge. And it's like, what's the challenge actually do? Like, you know, you could slowly implement better daily habits that would probably align with a lot better people's lives. Like not everyone's going to have the time to do X amount that's in a 75 challenge. And then you do it, then you realize it's too hard. And then you just keep having to restart this one challenge. So I don't know. I, I'm not like I haven't really looked too much into it and what it entails, but that's like the rough guide behind it, like doing mm. things that like 
you should probably be doing a majority of the time, but like making it into a challenge. I think beh- behavioral change is pretty complex, right? And utilizing something like 75 hard as like, you know, this is an all in mentality. Like, I think some people don't respond to that very well. So, you know, you think about someone, for example, in the context of, of quitting smoking, like I've, I've heard of people who have just cold, quit cold turkey, right? They've just decided that uh, maybe they have a bit of a scare and the doctor says, hey, you've got, you know, five years to live unless you quit. And all of a sudden, boom, they quit smoking immediately and they've never gone back to it. Uh, and then there's other people that, you know, maybe maybe that instantaneous uh, cutting out of, of, of something uh, creates more of a binge for it or a binge response where they kind of need to get back into it, you know, more intensely. So uh, I think for some people, that, that might, they might respond really well to that. But for others, uh, it might just be setting up failure for them even more because some individuals might respond to more of a graded re- response to, 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 to behavioral change. So changing small things, swapping small things over time and applying that over a consistent period of time before they actually, you know, make that switch. Mm. I think it also has to resonate with the individual, like the best place of making changes by doing something that you find enjoyable and someone doesn't enjoy reading, for example, what's the point of including that in a, in a challenge. And I think definitely what DY said as well, like if you, if you have to restart after a day, like I would argue that that isn't really putting forward the right message for establishing habits anyway. Like you haven't failed just because you've maybe haven't done the perfect day. You can just get back right back to it the next day. Just like you might overeat by your macros. It doesn't mean that you start from square one again. You just get back to your usual intake the following day. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine someone deleting their MyFitnessPal, like start again, just like recreating their MyFitnessPal. Starting account. the comp prep day, day one. one. <laughs> yeah. I think also the target market for this 75 challenge probably isn't the best market as well. I think it's more or less for like gen pop people that like, you know, might not be training as much as what they would want doing all these positive habits. So then when you just unload like this huge amount on someone, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a, obviously a lot to do, like train every single day, you know, not mess up your diet for 75 days. Like, you know, read all the, like, it's a lot of things to unload on someone on the first day. Um, instead of like slowly introducing habits, like maybe just oh try and increase like fruit and veg intake. If they've just gone from not being able to not, not tracking ever and not doing anything nutritional wise, then to just like, you know, slowly introduce some habits instead of just being like off the bat, like, all right, you're training every day from now. You got to get sunlight. You got to read a book. It's like, holy shit. It's like, that's a fair whack straight off the bat. Mm. I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear at the moment. Have any of you guys read that? No, I haven't personally. It's a good read. It's a good read. And it's interesting. He talks about like habits are not necessarily like everyone says, oh, you know, 40 days to build a new habit or 21 days or whatever, but it's not, you know, it's more the frequency of doing something rather than just doing it for an arbitrary amount of time. Um, but I think I'd agree with everything you guys have said. And I suppose it's just a question of like, you know, sustainability. Like what happens when you hit day 76? It's like, you're probably going to take a deep breath and you're like, oh, far out. I've had to like, through all this stuff for so long and I've just been like, you know, gritting my teeth to get it done. And then if you can't, you know, maintain any of those habits, it's kind of my whole issue with like the, the classic, um, what I'm trying to F four, five, eight week challenge. No, 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 it's fine. I use DC's trick. So <laughs> we didn't actually say the company's name. Um, it's like my whole issue with like the six and eight week challenges. It's like people completely, turn their lives upside down for six weeks, you know, 
eat foods that they don't want to eat because they maybe haven't tried to, you know, make them work for their lifestyle. Train twice a day, which is like outside of their usual capabilities. Lose five kilos and then like what happens two weeks after the challenge starts? You know, they stops. They just get it all back because it's not a sustainable way to live. And I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't see the point in doing something just to do it for a finite period of time when realistically the whole point of it is to create long-lasting change. Mm, and I think a large portion of uh, what's encompassed within these, like let's say these programs or these, you know, um, it needs to encompass like education. You know what I mean? So if, if you're just being told like what to do, okay, you need to read a book every day. You need to eat protein every day. Like wh- why am I doing these things? Like why do I have to eat protein every day? Like what does that represent? What, how can that help me? Like, because then as soon as that program finishes, that person then doesn't know really how to imply that in the context of their, of their own life thereafter. So that's not true lasting behavioral change, right? So it's kind of similar to like, I don't want to get down the tangent of, of, of pain education, but you know, if, 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 if physio are telling someone to do something, you probably want to tell them like why you're prescribing it, right? Hey, do these you know, neural flosses or something like that. And then they walk away and they're like, oh, doc just told me to do this. Okay, cool. But I don't really know why. Like they're not really going to apply that, you know, thereafter. And, and even with like these challenges as well, like when they, they, like they put all like these lifestyle changes on it and then you might lose like what you said, Lawrence, like five kilos over that period of time. Cause you made all these lifestyle changes. Like you've been training, you've been doing nutrition, but as soon as you go back to your old lifestyle, which is what your old body composition gave you, chances are your weight and everything's going to go back up to the exact same because your lifestyle reflected that rough way. And like, I've, like, for example, I've never seen someone that trained five times a week, tracks all their nutrition is severely overweight if they know what they're doing. So it's like, as soon as you go back from like this restricted training where you got to do all these sessions, track all your nutrition, all this, and then you go straight back to not doing anything, chances are you're going to go back to your not doing anything way in before as well. Hmm. So I think it's just a prime example of working hard, but not working smart. Like there's, if you put that same effort into getting a coach, then Obviously, a coach isn't the answer for everyone. It could be a dietitian. It could be a personal trainer. Like, do you I know think... any of them? Nah, no one comes to mind really. Do you yeah. know any could that be would be coach, all three? Could, yeah, could be a coach, dietitian, and PT. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we might ask the listeners. Those, those professions just came to mind first up. <laughs> all right, all right. Lifestyle well, coach as well. Isn't that yeah? That's mate. It's all about mentality. You don't you don't get it, DY. It's mindset of everything, bruv. Um, all right. What do you think are the hardest careers to juggle with a contest prep? This could be a very contentious debate because I guess it's like the whole, you know, something that's physically demanding versus mentally demanding. What do you mm. think, DC? From my experience, it's probably been the athletes that are doing FIFO work, like fly in, fly out. I often find to be mm. them for them to find it to be very challenging. It's not impossible certainly is not impossible, but, um, it's definitely, it's definitely challenging. Like, you know, huge hours, uh, uh, you know, uh, schedule that shifts quite, quite often. Um, even just the availability of like food. So often it's, it's canteen based food that you have there, unless you're actually preparing your own stuff and taking that with you. Uh, but even then you, if you, if you're flying in, flying out for seven days at a time, like you might have to meal prep for seven days, but, you know, even then there's been times where like I've had athletes say my food went off like in that seven day period. So I had to eat at the canteen. I had to try and figure something out. And of course, a lot of that canteen food is just absolutely saturated in oils. 
so it's it, it can make it a little bit more challenging in terms of managing the training side of things, massive hours. Like, you know, I think anything that involves shift work is probably the, the hardest thing to do. Um, shout out to all you nurses that, that get on stage looking tremendous because I think that would be really challenging. Mm. I mean, if your food goes off and you don't eat the meal, do you want it bad enough? That's that's the question I would... I mean, you clearly don't have that dog in you. Yeah. Mm. Want to lose yeah, until weight that, quickly? Just, until just that, that off chicken breast, man. Yeah. You'll be shitting through the eye of a needle within a day. Yeah, DC checks the weights. Oh, we are way ahead of schedule. And wow, then you get the photos and you're just like, oh. It's just gaunt, like wiping the face, just like bags under the eyes, <laughs> clenching the stomach, like, oh, great check-in photos this week. <laughs> The, the classic overall winner was a uh, fly and fly out worker as well. So extremely solid job. There. I reckon, yeah, like a fly and fly out, but then like a very physical job in terms of the fly and fly out would probably be very hard. But that being said, I did have um, another one. What, big, big Scotty that competed a couple of seasons ago. He used to, um, he used to run what he used to run a, a bunch of businesses and they were all fast food businesses and he had one, which was like a fried chicken joint. So like a Louisiana, like fried chicken joint. And uh, he was like, obviously like one of the head chefs there. So I could imagine how hard that would have been like in the back end of prep, trying to run like a whole bit, like couple of businesses and then trying to cook fried chicken. Oh. Mm. You'd probably I mean, get enjoyment, enjoyment, enjoyment yeah. out of it in a weird way. Cause you do, you do hit you like see competitors that all of a sudden they start cooking things like they can't eat it and they won't eat it. But all of a sudden they'll post stuff about, about them you know, making various different dishes and baking and all this stuff, but it's not for them. It's for people <laughs> around them. So, Hey, you might get enjoyment from it. Who knows? I had to look at him sideways. Cause I, is there a little bit of chicken gum missing? Like, you know, you never know. But I think FIFO ticks all three boxes. Like you have the unpredictable nature of food with having to get food at the canteen. Potentially you have the shift work and you have the physical job. Like some, some FIFO workers will tick all three boxes there, which is a bit of a nightmare. The comp prep. Absolutely. And in general, I guess, as well, to be honest. Yeah. That's a good story, DY. Scotty's a funny guy. But yeah, the um the other thing I was gonna mention, the shift work, the late nights would kill me. Like I think I could maybe put up with like physical work throughout the day, at least knowing I could get to sleep at a normal hour. But yeah, like working the night shifts. Like I remember as a student, like you'd be walking in at 7 30 to start like, you know for because that's what time the physios start and you'd see like nurses coming out like walking to their cars and you're just like that's tough that's mm. even even from a coach's perspective too like assessing someone's like data points and body weight trends and you know even maybe even progress photos the time of day as well can be challenging because you know morning on one day which is ideal fasted weight fasted photos the next day they're at they're at work on at that particular hour so um, you know, they're giving you progress photos in the, in the evening at nighttime or body weight trends at nighttime. So it's the diag, I think the data points can be a little bit more convoluted, but I mean, that's, that's the art of coaching right there is being able to navigate through all of that and still get the person to progress despite changes in circumstances. I mean, could you imagine like being like one of those open bodybuilders where that's just it. You just got to prep, sit at home, eat some food, go train, go do your cardio, like I'd be, it'd be it'd be cool to at least compare like i think it would be harder in a way because you don't have stuff to keep you busy that's basically yeah. i couldn't imagine it yeah so. that's crazy <laughs> imagine living that life. No, i don't want to speak for them but like that's yeah that's i mean all i do is sit at home and and do check-ins and talk yeah but they're not even doing that yeah 
You know what I mean? They're like doing some IG Q and A's. That's work. What is it? Holling Shed's pretty much like Twitch stream and why he sits there. Like he goes trains, come back, streams on Twitch, playing video games, goes to bed, makes money. All right. Could be worse, man. That's the life. Yeah, it could be much worse. All right. Well, we'll go through another question. How much muscle can you realistically gain in a year? Depends on the sort of string. Yeah. I mean, how how deep is a violet trend? You know what I mean? There's a lot of <laughs> variables in this question. <laughs> well, I think you I think like how long has the person been training? How hard does the person train? Do they tick the boxes in terms of sleep, like nutrition and all of this? It's like I not many people are probably gonna tick every single box a hundred percent as well. Uh, yeah exactly but I, I do nothing else but work at home and train like a bodybuilder according to you mm. <laughs> it's such a hard question to answer isn't it because i'm sure you all of you have had that question from clients or athletes mm. that have said like so you know realistically like i've been coaching with you for like a month now but like in the next year like how much muscle you reckon i'm gonna, I'm gonna put on and it's as a coach it's very challenging i cannot give you an exact number like i cannot give you and exact, we're putting on 1.3678 kilograms worth of lean tissue in this many weeks. It's kind of like more, hey, let's set up everything to be as ideal and as quote unquote optimal as possible. And let's see how your body responds to this. Mm. Like, are you a quick responder? Are you a slow responder? You know, does your consistency track well for two weeks? And then, you know, on the weekends, you're you're having nose beers or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it's so it's so dependent Interesting on how that specific on, uh, on the individual. You know what I mean? Nutritional it's approach as well. So <laughs> low cal. Yeah. You know That's what I mean? Basically what, it's what like, I say it's too, like yeah. yeah, like how how long is a piece of string? Like, mm-hmm. let's just focus on ticking all of the boxes necessary for you to progress as best as possible in that time span. And then let's see how you respond after a year of you know. Uh, progress, we'll be able to see how much we've kind of packed on in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just one of those hard ones where you got like genetics as well included. Like Lawrence, for example, I reckon could be He's 10 out of 10 genetics. Kilos, yeah. Whereas for me, it's probably a measly three to five kilos. <laughs> I'll probably yeah. I'll probably double my body weight. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> like, like, like I reckon towards the tail end of prep, you're actually just, your, your scale weight's going up, but you're getting leaner. Oh, right? I'll, yeah. I'll be growing into the show, DC. Don't you yeah, worry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> If I was to give an example of myself for like the years where I prepped and then I had another prep after, which was two year gap in between, I'd probably say I put on like two kilos, like, and that's from like training years, like five to about seven of taking it seriously. And I'd like to say I ticked probably 95% of the boxes to give a rough, so about a kilo a year, maybe like a hundred grams. Now that's not a hundred percent accurate. I don't know how accurate that was, but if I was to visually look something along the lines of that would probably be like what my guess would have been at that time but there's so many other variables in there it's like you know genetics um according to lawrence i've got a 10 out of 10 genetics but like compare myself to ronnie coleman i don't know no no you're 9.8 ronnie coleman's yeah. 10 yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but it's so weird with stage weight because it's like even in the example that you used EY, yeah like it's two it's- kilos but like you look at your physique and it's legit night and day and even how often do people get on stage at the same weight as last time, yet they look so much better? So, I mean, I don't know where, I don't know why that it, is. Yeah, but. yeah, it, it's it's a hard one to gauge, man. It's like, 
just so many different variables and like i competed pretty much at the exact same weight as what i did the two years prior but like visually you can see like you know and the body fat like difference jack didn't you have someone recently who was like starting back up with you or someone who had gained like a lot of size yes but he's not a competitor so okay it's uh tough to assess the no doubt he's made a a crap load of progress but yeah until he steps on stage eventually like won't won't be too hard to it will be difficult to gauge Mm -hmm. but i mean for me in the last five years i would say it's the sorry the last two years since i've been with aj probably the most productive training i've ever done and i would say roughly five kilos of muscle maybe maybe even slightly less than that but how many years two years two years yeah yeah yeah, I just don't train hard then. <laughs> there we go. That's what we summed up from this chat. But even but even that, Jack, like so if we say five kilos of muscle, mm. like what do you like what do you think your next stage weight would it be? Would it be like 83? No. I think yeah, because there's so many Would it be that... five kilos up though? Is that what is what I'm saying? No, I won't. No, definitely not. I don't think I'll be 83. I think I mean then AJ how- has quoted me 77, which is very similar to the last time, but that's subject to change. So but but even that makes it confusing because it's like, oh, yeah. I've gained like five kilos of muscle, but I'm predicting to yeah. get on stage the same. Like well, it, but it, that's well, like even the, like the, the question the key of like word that, that, that we're missing out on is conditioning. Like I was conditioned last time, and I think I was conditioned as I could get at that muscularity. Mm-hmm. But I think now I'll be even like I'll be conditioned everywhere, not just in my glutes and quads and hamstrings essentially Mm. my argument to that would be like if you were to put on five kilos like technically you should compete five kilos heavier and then you'd be leaner because the body fat difference because you've now added that five kilos Mm. so you're saying i haven't put on any muscle i think i i I, I saw you train with lawrence he outdid you on the hack squat and i think you put on 500 grams over the two years like i took his five kilos that day i took it off his physique i saw it it went straight onto the lower lats of yours because you got five kilos worth of fucking plant matter in that gut with all that <laughs> cream of cream of wheat you're eating. <laughs> oh dear, how is the cut going, by the way, Jack? Yeah, it's going well. I've I think I'll get another drop in cows today, to be honest. But I'm down to ninety two point one this morning, so it's been two weeks, and I'm down about three kilos. Very good. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. lighter than me by the end. I think you're going to beat me on the way down. Then we'll mm. we'll meet again. Surprise show. Boop. How's your How's yours going, Lawrence? You're You're probably the most exciting person to talk to right now in terms of where where they're at. That's still a bit oh, of a prep. I'd say that probably goes for year round, DC. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going well, mate. I'm probably about a kilo and a half down, but I mean to not get too too personal. It's always weird with the weigh ins because like I'll weigh in. And I never need to like move my bowels the very first thing in the morning. So it's normally only after I've like eaten breakfast and had a coffee. So I don't know. I think that's always the way to do it personally, because otherwise it's too unpredictable. Well, not what do you, you mean pre-breakfast? No, pre-weigh-in. If you always try and move your bowels, then it's sometimes that's not going to happen every morning. Well, that's what I mean. And either way, I still record whatever it is upon wake. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. But either way, I think it's going pretty well. I'm pretty happy with with how I'm tightening up. And I, looking back at like last year's pictures where we were like 20 weeks out, like I'm in significantly better condition as I was then at what I'd imagine would be a pretty similar body weight. So mm. I think it's going to be quite a like just 
very slow and steady um, in terms of like rate of loss and hopefully get a big chunk of it done early and then be able mm. to fit in some, some diet breaks and that sort of thing. But no, so far so good. I'm deloading this week. Um, three weeks in the deficit. I'm just shattered boys. I just could not, could not lift another weight. So I was like, Joe, I need a die break. I need a deload. I'm dead. Like, dude, I'm so depleted. I've been dieting for like yeah. three weeks, man. Help me. I'm, I'm so flat. Look at me, Joe. Look how flat I am. So nah, so far so good. I've been telling everyone who's like, oh yeah, how's it going? I was like, you know what? If I was struggling in any way at this point, there'd be some serious concerns. So um, yeah, so far it's it's all been fine. But no, yeah, very I mentioned, excited. I mentioned, I mentioned to my parents the other week that I was mini cutting and they, because they the last cut I, they remember is basically in comp prep where I was a zombie. So they automatically got super concerned and I had to persuade them that, no, I'm actually going to feel 10 times better in this mini cut, not worse. So yeah. And when do you leave for your holiday? Uh, the 29th of May. So, yeah, you've still, right, you still got another six episodes, which I'll edit for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just, well, something's going to have to give. I can edit the podcasts for a few weeks or I can quit my job. So the ball's in your court. But no, that, that trip sounds awesome, mate. I think you guys are going to have a great time. I'm glad that you're going to have like a little bit of downtime as well, like just train a couple yeah. times a week. I think it'll be good. Good little refresh. Have you planned that all out with AJ? Yeah, he's completely on board with it. I think like realistically, I'm not going to lose any muscle training. Like I'm still going to train twice a week and still going to be at maintenance, maybe in a slight surplus, depending on how much food I eat. So I, I'm i just looking forward to the the mental reset. I think the biggest thing for me is more so just uh, organizing my, my work around that holiday because I don't plan to take it off. So, um, but... It, I think I'll be able to find a good balance there. Yeah, very nice. And uh, yeah, because I guess such is the life of uh, the online coach. You can never be fully off, can you? Yeah, unless you're, uh, yeah, don't talk to any of your clients, which I don't intend to do. Mm. That's just not the mind of a, of a businessman. Got to create as little work as possible. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, we had a few more questions, but they're not very good. So I, I might just leave it there. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I just don't know how much value we can really add. You know what I mean? Um, but rest assured, we have had some questions about merchandise for BDU and it's in the works. And by that, I mean, we all still need to sit down and have a discussion, but it's been mentioned. So hopefully sometime this year, we'll have something for you all. Um, do you, any of you boys have anything else to add? Nope. No, that's pretty much Other than uh, give us a five-star rating, that would be nice. Very, very true. Yes, please do leave said reviews. Five stars is typically what people leave, but we'll leave it up to you guys. Thank you for listening, people, and um, we'll catch you next week for another episode of Bodybuilding Down Under.